Triple G and the rest, like an overhand right from Krakakovalev. The tale of the tape on TheBoxingRant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on TheBoxingRant.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, fight fans, and welcome back to episode 57 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and back with me for this very special episode 57, my co-host and partner in crime, Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? You have a good uh, 4th of July? I did indeed. Had the in-laws over, made some ribs, some uh, barbecue pork tenderloin, a little bit of pulled chicken, macaroni salad, coleslaw. Thanks for the invite, dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I was so full that I had a big old bowl of uh, warm apple pie and ice cream. Good Lord, And just fell on the floor. (laughs) I was down for the count. Amy gave me, uh, she counted to seven and then waved it off. (laughs) Yeah, it was a good fourth. How about you, man? Yeah, man, it was good. Quiet fourth. uh, Enjoyed it, though. Yeah, anybody lighting off any illegal fireworks at oh, your house? Oh, man, my house was sur- surrounded by fireworks. It was nuts. Yeah, yeah, well, oh, man, I'm just glad that uh, nothing crazy happened. Uh, no no terrorist attacks. <laughs> right. Uh, man, I was, uh, I was a little worried about that, but everything was in the clear, and everybody got to celebrate the day the country gained its freedom. So it was a great 4th of July. It was a very, very quiet weekend of professional prize fighting as uh, just a little odds and ends fights here and there all over the world, but nothing major. And we move forward past the July 4th mark, and we head into the debut of the PBC on ESPN. We also have the return of the ill-fortuned Mauricio Herrera as he squares off against Hammer and Hank Lundy. But before we get to all of the previews for episode 57, I just have a couple announcements. We are taking callers today. If you somehow get put on hold, that is because this is not blog talk radio. This is the real deal. So you are on hold until we, until we take your call. So I apologize. So you may have to listen to the show um, through the Spreaker app, through the podcast app on iTunes, or on theboxingrant.com as we are broadcasting live from the tail of the tape. The phone number, 240-436-2006. The number again, 240-436-2006. We'll be taking callers here in a little bit. Also, if you have stopped by theboxingrand.com recently, we have posted some signage. We are looking for bloggers, and I wanted to go ahead and give notice to a few people Um, that have sent in writing samples. You'll be hearing back from me either this evening or tomorrow with details moving forward as we are looking for contributors. Join our team at theboxingrant.com. Email the show at podcast at theboxingrant.com 
And we will try to get back to you as timely as we can, as it is uh, busy, busy, busy. Um, so let's go ahead and kick the show off with a little bit of legal action. What do you think about that, Vin? Unbelievable, man. <laughs> Bob Aram and his company, Top Rank Promotions, have filed suit. Yes, sir, they have filed a 50-page lawsuit in U.S. District Court for $100 million in damages and requested an injunction to stop the proceedings of Heyman's predatory practices of the PBC. When you saw this come across the wire, Lance Pugmire from the LA Times dropped a bomb with this article, and uh, Twitter almost exploded, at least in the, uh, the boxing segment of it anyways. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it falls along the same lines of the, of the Golden Boy lawsuit that was, uh, what was it, a few months ago they filed? Uh, they filed I believe suit. so. Right here somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it, look, we all saw it coming. I mean, the only thing that I get off of this, off the, you know, it, it just seems like you would think Al Heyman's, he can't be this dumb. Kenny, Ken? No, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the world. Well, I mean, you've you got to think he's found a loophole of some sort, or he's, he figures there's some way around this, because you wouldn't be acting in the arrogant fashion that he is, basically sticking up a middle finger to everybody involved in the sport of boxing like he is. Yeah, well, um, Al Heyman has done some pretty inexplicable things for somebody with the level of education that he has. Um, top rank attorney, Daniel... Petrocelli wrote in the lawsuit, if left unabated, Al Heyman and the PBC conspiracy threatens to fatally cripple competition in boxing, thereby causing substantial and irreversible harm to boxers, legitimate promoters, and consumers. The $400 million war chest backing of the investment firm Waddell & Reed, they have been striking time buys, writing checks, with networks such as NBC, CBS, ABC, ESPN, Fox Sports, and Bounce TV. <laughs> Never heard of that one. Yeah. Um, the lawsuit says in order to stifle legitimate promoters from competing against the PBC, Heyman has obtained exclusivity commitments from broadcasters. Between these predatory payments and the expenses of promoting each televised match, Heyman and Waddell and Reed are operating at a significant short-term loss in the millions of dollars. Heyman's losses could have already exceeded $200 million. Already. The loss leader's strategy has allowed Heyman to gain unfair advantage in the promoter market to, to the severe detriment of legitimate competitors like top rank. So basically, basically what's going on is, is that they are operating at a complete loss while these other companies are trying to operate at a profit. Mm -hmm. They have other companies, Golden Boy Top Rank most specifically, sign licensing deals with these networks. The networks pay for the boxing. Mm -hmm. Well, what Al Heyman's doing is, is going in with this loss leader strategy and pushing out top ranking Golden Boy by saying, you don't got to pay these guys. We'll pay you yeah. to put our boxing on. They just did it to Golden Boy. They're taking over Fox Sports 1. Yep. And now Golden Boy's relegated to Fox Deportes. And... The way that looks to me, that loss leader strategy sounds like a monopoly to me. Top Rank's lawsuit comes on the heels of claims made by Oscar De La Hoya, as Vince so duly noted back in May, reported to be $300 million. Top Rank also notes Heyman's attempts to block venues, such as the Staples Center, the StubHub Center, from other promoters, while also preventing PBC, Al Heyman advised, or promoted, fighters from fighting top Rank boxers. 
The venue blocking was reported in BoxingInsider.com. And then as soon as the lawsuit was filed, the California commission comes out and says, what? Uh, what are you talking about? There's no documentation of that. Hmm. Yeah. Right. How convenient. So yeah. the commissioner of the association, he was just lying. He just made it up. It, it's, it just <laughs> How deep does it go, man? Oh, it goes deep, brother. It goes deep. The venue blocking was apparent for Matisse Provodnikov. Hey, we, 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 we lucked out on that <laughs> one. Yes, we benefited on that one because we got to go to the fight. Um, using one's power to box out competitors is a monopolistic tactic, Petra. Selly wrote in the lawsuit, once Heyman obtains monopoly power in the market for promoting professional boxing matches, he will recoup the losses by charging exorbitant prices to the broadcasters, sponsors, and consumers. Heyman and Waddell and Reed will be the sole competitor. The Muhammad, Ali, the Muhammad Ali Act stipulates that a manager must be a determined advocate for the boxer's interests and not be influenced by financial inducements from a promoter. <laughs> Lou DeBella says he has seen no violation in the Ali Act. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's never been enforced. The lawsuit, however, refers to DeBella and the other PBC promoters as sham promoters, producing a $1.75 million check from Heyman Sports that PBC boxer JC Superstar Jr. posted a photo of on social media for his April bout at the StubHub Center. That's the smoking gun right there. I know, man. Fucking idiot. What a dumbass, man. The transaction could hardly be more explicit. Paying the purse is a classic promoter responsibility, not the job of a true manager, Petroselli wrote in the lawsuit that further claims Sherman Act violations. While Heyman's sham promoters may formally execute contracts with venue sponsors, broadcasters, and other stakeholders and may submit those contracts to state athletic commissions, they do not control the negotiations, rather. Heyman directs everything himself. PBC fighters enter unlawful tie-out agreements, which prevent boxers whose interests Heyman supposedly represents from freely contracting with legitimate promoters. The Association of Boxing Commissions in April asked the U.S. Attorney General to probe the PBC's practices. For decades, the boxing business earned a poor reputation because of some unsavory characters of lawsuit states Congress stepped in and enacted laws to clean up the industry. Top rank is trying to ensure that Al Heyman and Waddell and Reed play by the same rules as everybody else. Hey, man, I, you have to say that th these lawsuits are absolutely 100% necessary just based on the fact that, that Al Heyman can operate with just a, an endless bankroll right now. And everybody else, look, top rank and, and golden boy, I'm quite sure they operate at a pretty high profit come the end of the year. But some of these other smaller promotional companies, they don't operate on, on, on big, big, big earnings at the end of the year. It's very tight. It's, 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 it's not easy to do. It has to be done correctly. And basically what Heyman is able to do is just throw whatever money he needs to throw at it, push everybody else out of the way. And his vision is – not not now, not next year, but three to five years from now, mm -hmm. that that's when he'll get his TV contract and they'll be paying him. And by that time, he'll have pushed everybody else out and every fighter will have no choice but to join the PBC because they will not get paid anywhere else. Yeah, it is. It is. Man, I don't know, man. It doesn't. It makes me feel grimy thinking about it. It does. It's just trash, man. It's just trashy business business ethics. It's the it's garbage, man. Yeah, it, no, it really, really is, man. 
Um, the PBC did not respond at first, but their statement about the lawsuit, on behalf of our clients, Alan Heyman. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Alan. Alan Heyman or Al, Alan Heyman? Who? Hey there, Alan. <laughs> um, Heyman Boxing, LLC, Heyman Sports, LLC, and Heyman Holdings, LLC. The lawsuit filed today by Bob Arum and Top Rank is entirely without merit and is a cynical attempt by boxing's old guard to use the courts to undermine the accessibility, credibility, and exposure of boxing that the sport so desperately needs. The Premier Boxing Champion Series makes boxing free again. <laughs> by bringing championship boxing to free TV with a fighter-first promise and a commitment to the fans to restore boxing to the luster of its heyday. The continued success of this effort will far outlast this baseless lawsuit. Continued success? They've had success? <laughs> if you call losing $200 million, empty arenas, Shit fights. If you call that success, then guess what, Vin? Hey. You and I are, man, we are living right. <laughs> They're swimming in success over there, buddy. Oh, man. I don't know. Think uh, if, if by success you mean shit, yes, they are swimming in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah, man, you know, we talk about this on end. Yeah. We talk about all the points that the top-ranked lawsuit has claimed, okay? I read through the entire lawsuit. It, it was almost like reading show notes from previous episodes of the Tale of the Tape. Right. You know, I mean, this is this is known stuff. Yep. And now what we're seeing is the PBC is they they are they're on the defense. They respond to a fifty-page detailed lawsuit that outlines specific specific things, topics, violations, laws being broken. Right. Monopolistic tactics, as it says. Three or four of them. <laughs> yes, and they respond by saying, Premier Boxing Champions is making boxing free again by bringing championship boxing to free TV. You know what? You're right. It's okay, then. We'll, yeah. we'll just go ahead and put this lawsuit away. You didn't break any laws. You know no. why? Because it's free. It's not free. Is ESPN free? No. Basic you, cable is not free. <laughs> no. You pay for cable. To, there's NBC and CBS are your only free outlets. Yes. What even, the hell are you talking about? Even if you have no extra channels, yeah. your, your base package is going to run you seventy or eighty dollars a month. Yeah. So what if you only watch sports channels? You're paying seventy or eighty dollars a month. Yep. I mean, they can't even get the facts right in their retort. No. But I don't understand. Who the hell is, besides Heyman, who has he hired to handle all this PR shit? Because they are making a complete mess of everything. Kevin Ioli and Dan Raphael? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Peter Quillen? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. did, did you see, uh, I think it was a tweet by Andrew V. Kennedy? Um, on that on that Pauli Malinaji tweet that said he was fighting against Daniel Jacobs, the mess up one. Oh yeah, yeah. And and and, uh, and uh, the president Andrew V. Kennedy responds by saying they must have had uh, had kid chocolate handling the uh, handling the social media accounts over the holiday weekend. <laughs> oh man, I swear, I swear. They can't get out of their own friggin' way, man. They can't. No, they can't. And uh, you know what? I guess it's just more for us to talk about, but. I really want to see this followed through, and I'm going to continue to address this. Like, you know, this is something, the boxing rant, the tale of the tape, all the ventures that are related and that surround this show are created by 
the passion of boxing, mm-hmm. right? Like we are not paid by anybody at all. Like this is a labor of love and we do this show so we can give an honest perspective about the way that fans feel about this sport. Um, and you have guys that are getting paid six-figure salaries, such as the Kevin Iolis and the Dan Rayfields of the world, that they spend more time writing fight recaps uh, about fights that we all watch, mm-hmm. we all saw what happened, we don't give a rat's ass what ESPN.com's scorecard is. Right. And that's what they're getting paid for? Yeah, man. It's, I, I, I mean, hold on a second. Would you rather... Would you rather read one of Dan Raphael's blogs where he recaps the the Danny Garcia versus Rod Salka fight? Or would you rather listen to the tale of the tape when we go round by round and do it right? That's a that's a fucking recap. Yeah, yeah. Ours is way better. And that's not I'm there's no bias there. It's just not even close. No. <laughs> but but here's the thing. My point is, is that these guys have the platform. Yeah. But guess what? Now they're in business. Al Heyman is paying ESPN. So now the broadcasters the broadcasters are being paid by the product, so the product pays the broadcasters. You think? What do you think the broadcasters are going to be saying? They're just going to kiss ass and, and make sure they keep their job. I'm so interested, and we'll get to this, but I'm so interested as we lead into our preview of the debut of PBC on ESPN on how Teddy Atlas comes off during these broadcasts. I hope he unloads, man. Teddy Atlas, a guy that has been a huge proponent of boxing reform. Mm-hmm. Like him or not, whether you can stand his shtick and the way he is or not, the fact is that this guy has been calling for reform in weight classes, in rankings, and many other things across the sport for a really, really long time. Now he's in business with Al Heyman. Now Al Heyman's time buys are paying the salary of Teddy Atlas. I'm very, very curious. And I hope as a boxing fan and somebody that tries to give an honest perspective on it, Vin, I hope that he doesn't sell out. Because if he sells out, I'm going to flip the fuck out. I, I, you know what? As sad as it is to say this, I, he doesn't have a choice. I don't think you're going to hear. He's going to be on a short leash. You know somebody's going to be in his ear before they go on the air. I do not expect him. You may hear a couple little subtle digs here and there, but I do not expect him to to go on the war path against the PBC when that's 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 his bread. That's where his bread's buttered now, man. He can't do it. And if there is one guy that will, it, it is Teddy. He might forget what he was told in the back room before he came on air. I, I hope so too, my friend. I hope that he keeps his honesty and, and and lets people lets the people that are watching know. Look, this is what we're dealing with here. This don't 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 believe everything you see. Don't believe everything you hear. Let's let's take things for what they're worth at our own vision, not at some controlled message put out by the PBC. Yeah. No, I agree. This is an opportunity for him. I hope he just flies off the handle of the first show and gets fired. Yeah, that would be great. You know what I mean? And just takes one for the team. Because, honestly, man, that's really, really what, uh, uh, you know, the sport needs. They need voices, people in in positions, paid positions, with audiences far greater than ours. Because we consider our fan base grows every show, but it doesn't grow to the point where we're reaching, you know, tens and hundreds of thousands of, no. of boxing fans. Yeah, we don't have that reach. Now, now, fortunately, though, there are other like-minded individuals. There are boxing writers out there, such as Steve Kim from UCN Live, who are constantly 
calling it as it is, mm -hmm. with no regard for their access or credentials. And I admire that. That's how it should be with all of them. You have a job to do. Do it right. Do it 100%. Don't – Raphael right now, why hasn't he released a – huge dissertation on this lawsuit and what he thinks about it yeah what, what's the problem dan <laughs> oh man oh man oh man all right you want to go ahead and take a caller let's do it yeah we got a caller here we go the first caller on the tale of the tape boxing podcast been on hold here for a little while you can call in at 240-436-2006 and uh we want to hear from you out there and we're talking Al Heyman, the PBC top-ranked golden boy. Premier boxing champions on every network in the world. Or if you just want to talk about what you did last night. Right. Um, so let's go ahead and take this first caller right here, Vin. And hello, you are on the tail of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Are you there? Hello. Gold feet. And... Nothing. <laughs> we're struck out, man. Uh, well, what can you do? Hey, maybe, so we're we're going to figure it out. Maybe he calls back. Maybe he doesn't. Let's see. Am I even plugged in here? I don't know, Vin. Hey, Vin, talk boxing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, look. Everybody who, you know, we want to hear your all's opinions on this because that, to us, this is just a complete joke, man. I, how how this company has been able to operate up until now and, and the shit that they're getting away with. Uh, you know, we want to hear it. All right, here we go. They're calling back. You're live on the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Hey, guys. Hey, what's going on? Who's this? Hey, this is Travis. How you doing? Good. How are you, man? Hey, pretty good. Hey, guys, I've been waiting to call in. Uh, I'm glad you guys are taking calls. Uh, I really wanted to call in and tell you guys I really appreciate the show. Uh, I, I like y'all's view. Uh, I, I see that you guys aren't getting a PBC check, which is nice. Yeah, well, you know what? If we did, man, if we were getting a PBC check, we sure as hell wouldn't be doing this show. We'd be writing fluff pieces. <laughs> yeah. No, you know. Absolutely. No, I had a lot of stuff to say, but I won't take up too much of your time. Uh, I was at the well, – rewind a little bit. I was at the uh, the Canelo last Canelo fight. The Canelo-Kirkland fight in Houston? Yes, sir. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I live in Houston. Actually, I'm not far from uh, Plex Gym, as a matter of fact. Oh, sweet, sweet. Um, so how was – I just wanted to jump in and just, just real real quick. Sure. I, I listen to a lot of shows. Um, I hear a lot of uh, the tomato can like kind of tossed around a lot. And let me tell you from a from a guy that doesn't know Kirkland personally, but uh, know a few guys that kind of grew up around him and worked out with him. He's no tomato can, and if you think he is, uh, I, I would beg you to get in the ring with him for about uh, thirty seconds. Oh, I would want no parts of that. He is a man. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. No, it was a, it was a dynamite fight, man. I, I wasn't going to go. You know, I have a couple of kids, so it's kind of hard to get out. But after that, uh, Mayweather stink fest is like, I got to redeem my uh, boxing and go to. Yeah, man that, that that was a hell of a of a fight to go to. I just wish more more people that had tuned in for the first time for that Mayweather Pacquiao shit show would have been able to, uh, you know, watch it because it was a saving grace in uh, in so many ways. Oh, it's it's what boxing's supposed to be, you know. Don't get me wrong, I knew Kirkland was gonna lose, unfortunately. I knew he had a had a shot. But uh, you know, a lot of people trash Kirkland over that, but uh, personally I think he had Canelo in a little bit of trouble. I really do. 
Yeah, it did seem like I don't know, maybe at some point in the second round when he just kept coming, you're like, man, Canelo is uh, he's unloaded the arsenal and he's he's putting everything on every punch. And Kirkland was starting to wear him, and it seemed like he was able to walk through him. And you're wondering, man, is Canelo, you know, just going to tire himself out? Kirkland catch yeah. up, catch up to him and run him down, you know, in rounds four, five, and six. But unfortunately, Absolutely. it didn't happen. Actually, I was going to go to point out real quick. Uh, yeah, I've been to plenty of Astros games, and I've never seen attendance like that at this stadium. Really? No, it was there was people outside that didn't even have tickets. Like, uh, put it this way: when Kirkland went down the first time, I started walking to the door. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you what: I, I know Canelo has a following, but Jesus Christ, man! I, you would thought that people got money to be there. It was it, it, there were so many people there; it was just insane. I was like, I told my wife, I said, if Kirkland. Wins this, we're making a beeline for the car and getting the hell out of downtown. I hate that. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's going to be some pissed off Latinos, man. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it was, it was a fun fight, and uh, I just wanted to uh, jump in and say, you know, I'd stopped watching boxing for a while. I was kind of waiting for Mayweather to go away. Um, sadly enough, I kind of let his uh, <laughs> his style kind of run me out of the business. You know, I'm an MMA fan, but yeah. I'm, I'm slowly getting back into it. It's, it's really good to uh, have a show like you guys. Like, there's no real agenda except for the fact that you guys are just kind of speaking the your your, your opinion which is uh, really good to really good to listen into and uh kind of catching me back up i've been listening for a couple months now and i uh, just uh, want to say thanks guys uh, i'll be a regular caller and uh, I'll, I'll get off and uh, listen to the rest of the show all right man well thanks for calling in we really really appreciate it and uh we appreciate you tuning into the tale of the tape boxing podcast we look forward to hearing from you in the future man absolutely we'll see you guys next sunday thank you all right, man. There you go. Travis the hey. ba- making his debut on the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Good, good first call. Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to call in at 240-436-2006. We're talking boxing. Yeah, we, you know, we got topics. We got we to gotta scroll here. But tell us about fights you've been to. Tell, yeah. us, tell us anything why you are such a diehard fan of the sweet science as Vin and I are. So we appreciate Travis calling in. Again, you can call in at 240-436-2006. Looks like I got the mixing board figured out, Vin. (laughs) It's like this one. I think it's this one that says Skype. (laughs) Is that the one? I I think so. No, you know what? I had the plugs uh, mismatched on the back. I spent like an hour making labels for the damn mixing board. And then, of course, like, you know, I'm, fly- I'm, I'm flying around trying to get everything ready for the show, and I plugged them into the wrong slots. <laughs> Dumbass. Man. Amateur hour over yep, here. Yep. Oh, man. All right. So let's uh, continue on here on episode 57 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. And um, let's move into Premier Boxing Champions debut on ESPN. Keith Thurman. One time, squares off against Luis Calazo from the Sun Dome in Tampa, Florida, a 12-rounder in 147-pound action. What were your first thoughts when this fight was announced, Vin? Thurman versus Calazo? Um, if this was 2012, this would have been a good fight. <laughs> All right, okay. Everybody that listens to this show is a pretty well-versed boxing fan. Right. Okay, we'll get into the Thurman side of this. Okay, tell us a little bit about Luis Colazzo. I mean, he's just kind of been a fighter. Uh, look, he's a, a veteran fighter and has been a tough, good fighter along his trip through through the ranks. But it's just been the last couple years have been just so 
up and down for Luis, and he's kind of had a little bit of inactivity. Uh, Amir Khan just absolutely wiped the floor with him last year. And that, you know, you expected him. I remember when that fight came off, I'm expecting Luis to to test Amir a little bit, just a little bit. If if Colazzo had anything left in the tank, he he would have been able to. The fighter that he was in his late 20s and his prime as a fighter would have given Amir Khan a good test. And in that fight, boy, he just got, I mean, completely just, yeah. he lost every round and it wasn't even close. The, it's, the sad part about it was Khan should have been able to finish him and he couldn't. <laughs> oh, Khan. Well, Khan's got, he's got electric power, Vin. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you spend your entire career chasing Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, come on. You know, spend more time lifting weights or in the gym or something, and you might actually be able to hurt washed-up fighters. Right. <laughs> or Chris Algieri, for that matter. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you know what, man? When I first heard about this, but you know how I feel about this. There's no rhyme or reason to what the hell the PBC's doing. No. They're eventually going to roll out these PBC belts, mm-hmm. um, and then maybe there'll be some semblance of a ranking and a tournament, you know, a tournament style as they, you know, uh, and who knows? The the weight classes they've been fighting at, are they going to be for anything? So this, yet again, is another fight for Keith Thurman that doesn't mean a damn thing. No, I, I get it. It's in his hometown. But is Keith really, I mean, is it time for a homecoming fight for him? This guy needs to be, he needs to be fighting the best and still progressing. Yes, he's a belt holder at 147. And I think me and you both believe that. You know, once Floyd steps out, I, the best welterweights in the world are, are Keith Thurman and, and Kel Brook. And there's just no reason for him to be fighting Luis Colazos. Like I said, if this was 2012 and this was Keith Thurman's 20th fight against a 31-year-old Luis Colazo, great fight, perfect fight. But now you're putting him, putting him in against a washed-up guy that's going to provide absolutely no challenge for him other than the fact that yeah, maybe Colazo's a, a big welterweight. And he's a southpaw. Eh, I think Thurman, at this point in his career, he's developed a, you know, a more cerebral side to him in the ring. He's not just one-time lights out, KOs for life. I think he's past that. As much as he, I mean, even when he hasn't gotten knockouts, he's been flooring guys in every fight at least once. Uh, he's just a smarter fighter. He'll do what he has to do to beat Colazzo. He's not going to... He's not going to go for the knockout. He doesn't have to go for the knockout anymore. That's... Keith Thurman has progressed in his career and has become a smarter fighter now. And Luis Colazzo is just, it doesn't do anything in progression for him moving forward. No, it doesn't. No, uh, it really doesn't. And, you know, regardless of the outcome of his fights, you know, if you look at the progression of who he's fought and, and when he's fought, for somebody then, and this is where my problem with this entire matchup and, and, and again, this speaks to the handling of careers by this so-called advisor named Al Heyman. you got a 26-year-old fighter with a record of 25-0 and 0 with 21 knockouts, okay? And you scroll through his box rec, and he fought twice last year in 2014. I know he was coming off of an injury, yeah. and he got a little bit of a late start there, right? But you have a guy here that fought three times in 2013 against Jan Zavik, Diego Chavez, Jesus Soto Carras, okay? These were the step-up fights, Yeah. right? Chavez was his first legitimate top 10 fighter that he was in the ring with, and he struggled in the first half of that fight. He did. You know? The Carras fight, um, you know, that was Thurman 
was had a smart game plan because he boxed patiently yeah. in that fight and he paced himself throughout. I don't I just think he gave Karras just like he did in the Bundu fight. He's given these guys far too much respect for their power, which makes me think in the back of the mind does Thurman question his own chin? Um and then basically being able to uh, fight a relatively smart fight against a guy like Karras, he paces himself um, and then seals the deal and uh, finishes him in the ninth round. But then you take the Julio, Julio Diaz fight was a was an absolute joke. Yeah. Diaz just quits in the third round yeah. for no explicable reason whatsoever. He's just like, ha, I don't want to fight. I don't want to get punched anymore. And then Leonard Bundu, this guy has zero power. No. Okay? Look at his freaking stats and... Thurman, after coming off of a promotion where he told us KOs for life and he was just talking about how he's going to flatline this guy, not only does he not, he decides that after, after putting Bundu down in the first, in the first round, eh, I'm just going to box for the rest of this fight. Yeah, it was very strange. And what ended up turning out to be one of the top three or four worst fights of 2014 did no justice to him. He makes his debut. On the PBC against Keith Thurman on their debut evening, following up a stinker of a fight between the clown Broner and John Molina Jr. Yeah, I, I, you remember how bad that fight was? God, that fight remember was Remember how bad that evening was? Yeah. I mean, it was awful. From the shenanigans from that, that, that PBC employee? Yeah. That they tried to bring Thurman's WBA belt in the ring, and the employee mushed him and threw him out of the ring. Right. Told him, get, get your belt out of here. What belt? <laughs> Belts don't exist. Um, you know, and in that fight, look, we can go back to this fight a little bit. For some reason, while, you know, while Thurman was, while Thurman staggered Guerrero and he hurt Guerrero, he drops Guerrero and Thurman takes a huge, huge thump to the head and a clash of heads. The fight starts to get ugly. You don't know which way it's going to go. There's isolated moments of action, but yeah. few and far between. And then it wasn't until Guerrero got the piss knocked out of him that he got back up, and it like um, it, it, it almost revived him. Yeah. And then it turned into a fight for the last few rounds. But for me, after seeing Guerrero's last performance, I feel like Guerrero's last performance was an indictment of... Keith Thurman's performance against Guerrero, don't you? Yeah, you you got to start to think that. Um, look, it, it's it, it's always different. No matter who you're fighting, it's it's going to be a different fight. Whether Guerrero's in the ring with Thurman or whoever the hell he fought last time, I can't remember the kid's damn name. The nobody. Uh, it, it's going to be different. So you you don't know. You don't want to put too much weight on that. But yeah, I mean, look, you, you can put a little bit of weight to it. And Robert Guerrero looks to be not the same fighter that he was three years ago, not at least a shell of that fighter anyways. and He doesn't move anymore. No, you know, no. He's got no footwork. He's got no power at 147. You know, he comes straight forward, and he's, he's a banger now. Yeah, a banger with no power. Yeah, it, that's a really safe thing to do in the sport of boxing. Yeah, that's uh, it's a terrible choice of strategy for him, really. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know, man. I just look at the... I, I don't see a progression here for Thurman. They can make excuses that people want to dodge him. I call horseshit to everything, when, when it, whether it's Thurman or anybody from the PBC or the Thurman pom-pom waivers. And I'm a fan of Keith Thurman. I'm a fan of his style. I think he's an exciting fighter. I want to see him do really well, right? But to tell me that, that, that Keith Thurman is being avoided is horseshit. 
is 100% an unadulterated piece of BS. And I'll tell you why, Vin. Because Al Heyman decides who he fights. Yeah. Ain't nobody dodging him. If Al Heyman says, Adrian Broner, you're fighting Keith Thurman, guess what's happening? They're fighting. They're fighting. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we know this. I, I don't think Thurman falls in line with that as much as you would, you would think or other PBC fighters do. Well, I think we've heard little things here and there from him where he has not been happy with who he's been matched up with, and he'd like to fight better fighters in bigger fights. In steps Luis Colazzo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I don't know, Vin. How do you see it going? Um, I think Thurman is going to do one of two things. I think he's going to knock Colazzo out early in the first three or four rounds, mm-hmm. or he's going to stink out the joint and try to box him again. I hope he doesn't. He he needs it, especially... He needs a progressive fight, not a regressive fight. Yes, and he should, should be able to knock Colazzo out inside of six or eight rounds would, would be what I would think. At this point in, in Colazzo's career, if he doesn't, then um, I'm going to question... I, I am going to question, and I will throw out the suggestion that Keith Thurman's piss-poor matchmaking is causing regression in his skill set. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's not the only fighter that that's happening to in the PBC, man. No, he's not. Um, so the 34-year-old Colazzo, you know, he's going to give it his best shot. He's a tough dude. But uh, a washed-up Southpaw is a washed-up Southpaw. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a Southpaw in a movie poster that's standing in an orthodox stance. <laughs> that shit is terrible, <laughs> Did man. you see that? You got, you got to get one thing right. The name of the movie is Southpaw, and you show a picture of a guy in an orthodox stance. Oh man, if I was if I was Jake Gyllenhaal, I would be pissed. How have they not yanked it? Like why wouldn't you take that down and fix that immediately? But be, why it's why does Al Heyman make the matchups that he does cuz he's not a boxing guy. Right. You know these 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 PR branding people for the you know for these movie studios, you think they have any idea what a southpaw stance? They probably looked at it and were like uh, his front his front hand is his left hand. That's the southpaw stance. <laughs> Wait, he's facing south, so that means southpaw, right? <laughs> I'm still going to watch the movie. Oh, yeah. What do you think about the Creed preview? Dude, I, you know how I am when it comes to anything involving the Rocky franchise. I, I, to me, I thought the preview looked great. I mean, as far as you're not, it's not built around Rocky. That's one thing that I think they needed to kind of, this needed to be a new thing, not built around Rocky. And it just looked like it had a different different feel than any other Rocky movie you've seen. It looked uh, to me, it looks like it's going to be really good. I, I like the concept. Yeah, um, it looked good. I mean, that dude who's playing him, Michael B. Jordan or whatever mm-hmm. his name is, um, he's a pretty good actor. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think it'll be good. And um, you know, if this is the direction that they take the Creed franchise in, that's uh, I don't know, that's pretty cool. But uh, it looks like Tony Bellew plays the the villain. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, who else do we see in the preview? Gabe Rosado. Yeah, King Gabe Rosado. Where was Andre Ward? Was he filling this? Was was he emptying spit buckets? You, yeah, you don't. I mean, what's he? Is he going to bring new viewers to the to the theaters? I don't. I don't think so. No, no. I think they actually uh, are probably going to have to give away tickets on one iota because Andre Ward. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so back to the fight. My prediction for this fight is Thurman by way of fifth round knockout and. He better not Colazzo out. Yeah, he better. You know? Yeah. I mean, seriously. There's going to be a lot of people questioning him if he doesn't. Indeed. Um, all right, let's move to the undercard, Vin. So we got a pretty good matchup. This should be interesting. You have the stork-legged Willie Nelson 
Um, <laughs> he walks like the cartoon version of Disney's Robin Hood when he dresses up like that pelican. He does. Or that stork, just these stiff-legged, just... Oh, man. A guy like Tony Harrison who's got some thump in his, in his fists. Yeah. Um, he should be able to knock Willie Nelson down, but this is a true boxing test. And not only is it a big test for Harrison, this is a ridiculous step up in competition. Yeah. He has been fighting slobs. Uh, Pablo, Pablo Mungia, his last fight, that was one of the biggest farces of the year. And I think, was that the last Friday Night Fights broadcast or... Uh, no, it wasn't the last one. No, but. no, but it was one of the last ones. Um, the dude looked like they just pulled him. Uh, I, I don't know where they found the guy. He obviously wasn't him, in training. They found him in a taco truck. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I mean, dude, you just go through this list. I, I've never heard of any of these guys. No. None of them. And he's going to step up and, and, and fight a guy in Willie Nelson that's got a, uh, you know, he's got a nice little rap sheet. Um, Willie Nelson, 28 years old, is 23 and 2. With one draw, 13 knockouts to his resume, most recently in the ring against Vanis Martirosian. Um, and uh, you know what, man? This is quite the, uh, quite the test in this, in this matchup. What do you see happening in Harrison versus Nelson? Do you see it ending the way that all of the other fights by the Michigan native end, Vin? No, I, I don't think Harrison's going to finish Nelson. I, I really don't. And I think it's going to be a tough fight for him. I, and that's not – I'm not even trying to give too much credit to, to Willie as, as a great fighter. It's just like you said. It's awkward. He, he's awkward. He's tall. Yeah. He's got an 81-inch reach. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Uh-huh. It, it's not easy to navigate through that and, and buy that. And I, I just don't see Tony Harrison – I mean, does he have power? I guess so. He's knocked out a bunch of stiffs. I, don't, I mean, is that legitimate power against a good fighter? I, I couldn't tell you. Is Willie Nelson the fighter that has a chin that can handle it? More than likely, yeah. He's, he made it through a fight with, with the nightmare. <laughs> so, so I think he can handle Tony Harrison. Uh, I don't know, Ken. I, t- to me, I think this fight's going to be a snoozer. I think it's going to be a jab and faint fest. And I think Tony Harrison is going to be scared that he's in his first test and he's not going to want to open himself up to a, to a loss. He'll do just enough to win the fight. Do you see uh, this guy is as brash and, oh, and confident as they come? He's a friggin' character, that's for sure. This guy acts like he's made it. Oh, I mean, yeah. if, I mean, I mean, we clown on Adrian Broner for acting like he's made it when he was put into fights against stiffs for vacant belts right. and had his career completely piecemealed together um, to to build something around this guy's shtick. Mm-hmm. Tony Harrison has the shtick before he's even fought a top twenty fighter. Yeah, it's I mean it's flashy. It's showtime, baby. When I Tony's tell you in what, it'll make a hell of a loss when he loses. Though, yes, man. it will. I mean, guys like this, they either rise to the top or they go down in flames. Look, I'll tell you this. I I think Tony's going to win the fight. I don't know about you, uh, Willie Nelson's a little. He's just too rugged, too not refined enough in the ring, and Tony Harrison can buy. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I mean, as long as he doesn't let his ego get in the way, right? Because Willie Nelson could send one of those straight jabs down the middle, and I, I could see, I could see Tony Harrison getting floored early in this fight, mm-hmm. in, in the first or second round, getting dropped by a stiff jab right down the middle as he comes in wide with one of those power shots. Yep, yep. Um, your prediction for the fight? 
a snoozer of a unanimous decision <laughs> for Tony Harrison. I'm not kidding, man. I feel like this is going to be – Tony is not going to take any chances in this fight. He's not. No. Um, yeah, my prediction for the fight is that um, that Harrison will end up stopping Nelson – I don't know, somewhere around the seventh or eighth round. Yeah. Yeah. I just it's just gonna be one of those things where those peg legs snap and he just ends up falling down. Let's get Tony Harrison and Julian Williams in the ring. Yeah. Um I think that Tony Those are your two best up and coming hundred and fifty four pounders. Uh let No, them. what about uh what about Boo Boo Andre? <laughs> he's so good he doesn't even have to fight, man. Yeah, I mean, dude, he's a legend. He's a legend. <laughs> doesn't even have to fight. His myth grows as we speak. Yeah, I, look, I got nothing to say on the boo-boo, boo-boo front. <laughs> on the boo-boo train? A uh, boo-boo. <laughs> oh, oh, the Yogi Bear reference. I love it. I uh, love it. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and move on from that. Let's go to HBO Latino. The return of the misfortuned, the oh, just, this guy keeps getting jobbed and jobbed and jobbed. Mauricio Herrera, 21-5 with seven KOs, takes on Hammerin Hank Lundy, 25-4 and four and one with 12 knockouts. This is a battle of two powerless fighters. Oh, yeah. But it's a battle of two fighters that like to throw a lot of punches. So you could see all kinds of stuff in this fight. You could probably see 1,500 punches thrown in this fight. Um, will anybody go down? Probably not. Will anybody get hurt? Probably not. Herrera has literally walked straight through Danny Garcia's punches. Yeah. Straight through Benavidez's punches. And I guarantee you Danny Garcia and Benavidez would both knock Hank Lundy out. Oh, yeah. So that being said, I don't think Mauricio Herrera is going down in this fight. No. <laughs> no. He's, I don't think he's been down in his career once. Oh, man. Herrera ranked number eight by the ring. In the 140-pound division. Two robberies away from the undisputed champ, Isn't that nuts? (laughs) Literally two robberies away. Um, Herrera is now 35 years old, but there seems to be no more determined fighter in the ring than this guy. If Mauricio Herrera had even a fraction of some of the top five fighters in that division's power, Ah, uh, this guy'd be one of the best boxers in the sport. I know it's a shame he has absolutely zero. I know, I know it really, really is. Um, he's had a a really nice career, and he's actually, as he's gotten older, it seems like he's become more refined. Mm-hmm. Um, he's become a better boxer. He knows that he has to stay active. So you know, look, the X factor in this fight is going to be Lundy. We know what we're going to get from Rare. Yeah, don't we? Yep. Okay. Hank Lundy is an enigma of a fighter. He got started late fighting in life. Um, Ex-high school football player, standout, and took up boxing later, athletic, um, quick hands. You can tell he's a little bit lacking in the footwork department, squares up a lot to the target. Yeah, gets off balance a lot. Yeah. Um, But that's not really the reason why Lundy's had some misfortune in his fights. Um, Lundy versus John Molina Jr. We take our listeners, the tale of the tape, loyal listeners, back to July 9th, 2010, five years ago, to a fight on ESPN Friday Night Fights. You may have seen it live. You may have seen it on ESPN Classic. This was one of the most bizarre fights I think I've seen where a fighter was in complete 
control of this fight. In the lead-up to the fight, Lundy took the banter, Vin, to another level. He did. Calling Molina a dumb fighter, calling him stupid, ignorant, questioning his intelligence. Lundy, in this fight, clearly winning, outboxing Molina, maybe pitching a shutout through the first seven rounds of this fight. Then in the eighth, Lundy, for some reason, he's boxing a smart fight, decides, you know what? I'm going to square my feet, drop my hands down to the side, and stick my chin out <laughs> for, to, just, to just mock Molina just for no other reason than to act like an asshole. And um, boom, <laughs> Molina connects a huge right, and Lundy goes down. I mean, <laughs> what you're you're questioning the intelligence of your opponent, and then you decide to do quite possibly the dumbest shit you could do in a fight. Oh man! You think you're in such control that you can act like a complete jackass and stick your chin out there on a platter for a guy that can punch? <laughs> There's one thing that John Molina can do: punch. That's it. He he can't. He's not going to box you. No. He can't. No. He hardly throws twenty punches around. No. He is loading up, and you walked into it. It, it speaks to his career, Ken. It does. Absolutely. Um, 98 to 91 was the scorecards coming in to the 11th round. About halfway through the 11th, Molina gets Lundy on the ropes and into the high guard. Molina rocks Lundy with a right hook to the body, forcing Lundy's arms to drop and follows up with a big left upstairs and shakes Lundy to his foundation. What does Lundy do, Vin? He tries to play it off and reaches it out for the ropes. Grabs the ropes with his right hand as he's flailing and falling. And for about five or ten seconds, he's bouncing up and down and throwing these weird sort of like smack jabs with his left hand. It was pretty clear that the downstairs-upstairs right-left combo hurt Lundy a bit. Yeah. Teddy Atlas said right after that happened, he made, he made fun of the intellect of Molina, but the intellect of Lundy has to be questioned. That was a dumb move. <laughs> Look, he's, why are you grabbing the ropes? You're completely you. You're losing one. You want to fight one-handed? <laughs> <laughs> one arm bandit, hammering Hank Lundy. Um, Lundy looked a little off, lethargic in his moves for the next few seconds. Coherent. I don't know. Maybe he was tired, but to me, um, I think that 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 shot that one-two man. I think it uh, got his head spinning a little bit. Molina followed Lundy around the ring until he was able to connect a left hook that knocked Lundy off balance just enough to stop him along the ropes. Mm -hmm. What happens next happens fast. Lundy goes into the high guard, and Molina begins to wail on him. In this fl flurry of the typically flailing wide hooks that he's become notorious for, Molina sends one right hook that lands different from them all. There was a loud thud, sweat flies, and just for a split second, Lundy goes completely limp. On the ropes, and referee Ricky Gonzalez jumps in and stops the fight. I mean, boom, like, yeah. just like that. It was a quick stoppage. Uh, I'm not going to question the stoppage as being right or wrong. That's a complete judgment call. Uh, you see a guy, a guy get hit and go limp like he did, and albeit for a second. Uh, it, that's when the judgment has to, be, has to be made as a referee, and he was taking punishment, Ken. I mean, other than that thudding right hand, there was a couple other ones that landed – and he was—he just basically sat against the ropes with his guard up for twenty seconds, and and did not even attempt to throw a punch back. When that happens, and the and the referee can see that you've been completely, basically out on your feet for a second, he's going to jump in. It's it's that's his job. He's doing his job. Don't complain after the fight. And there was minimal complaining. He—you could tell he was a little pissed, but 
I also think he was a little dazed and he really hadn't figured out what the hell had happened. Yeah, well, <clears throat> he boxed a great fight. He did. <laughs> he had an easy win in his in his bag, man. Going to stay undefeated. Yep. Kept uh, his career. Would have kept his career on a, a completely different path than it's been on. Yep. Yep. He was. Um, you know, he had an easy win in the bag against an inferiorly skilled fighter. Yep. Okay. And lost it because of showboating and clowning around. <laughs> Doesn't seem to have stopped. No, I, I don't think it has, and I don't expect it to ever. <laughs> What's your prediction for the fight, then? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain. Well, there won't be much pain in this, <laughs> in this fight. <laughs> this thing's going the distance, and like you said earlier, there's going to be a shitload of punches thrown. It's going to be a tough fight to score again. I think Herrera's better just prepare himself for another very tight decision, but I think he'll get the benefit of the doubt this time. I think he'll win them. 116, 112, 115, 113 cards. Yeah, I agree. I think Mauricio Herrera finally gets on the right side of the fence. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. I, I agree. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, probably 8 to 4, 9 to 5 scoring. Because there, there's nothing. 8 to 4, 9 to 5. And I turned it into a 14 round fight. Do <laughs> you, you see <laughs> what I did? <laughs> 7 to 5. Sorry. <laughs> 7 to 5. Yeah, 14 rounders now. Uh, the, the problem with Herrera to me when, when he's been robbed in these past couple fights, I think it's. It's it's just look he's active the whole time but as a as a judge after a while you're going okay he's throwing punches but what the hell's this guy like this guy's he's not doing any damage no and I, that works to his disadvantage because I I feel like they just view his his punches as inconsequential and I really don't want to score these punches yeah yeah well and hopefully Lundy's flash and quickness doesn't steal rounds uh, it's it's got the perfect the recipes there for another. Another controversial, job. yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know, my friend. I do not know. Um, it looks like we are going to be moving on to our favorite fighter in all the land. Who's okay? that? Floyd <clears throat> Money Mayweather and the WBO. They're going at it, Vin. Um, Floyd misses the deadline given by the WBO. Um, to pay the $200,000 sanctioning fee. That's a hefty damn fee, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, that was due from his May 2nd fight with Manny Pacquiao. He was also expected to vacate his WBC and WBA 154-pound titles, also along with it if he wanted to keep the WBO title. Um, the WBC and the WBA have rules that state you're not allowed to be champion in more than one weight class, but yet they l allow Floyd to do it because they know they get large sanctioning fees mm -hmm. if they allow him to do it. Um, but the WBO says, no, um, we don't play that, and uh, you're going to have to relinquish your belt. Do you think, Vin, do you think that Floyd Mayweather has any intention of ever paying that $200,000? Uh, absolutely not. No, I no wonder chance. what kind of legal recourse an organization like that has. He should have never accepted the belt. No, he shouldn't have. You know? No. He should have never accepted the belt. He should have just, he should have just turned it down. After you said you were going to give him up anyways after the fight, all of them, uh, the one you just picked up, what do you, what do you want with that one for? I, I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. I do not know either. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's uh, the rules of these sanctioning bodies. They like to enforce them when they want to enforce them. And when you're dealing with a guy like Floyd Mayweather, 
Oh, he's your cash cow, man. Yep, this is what you get. So once the WBO title is officially stripped, which more than likely will happen tomorrow, um, and once that does happen, then uh, they will make the Desert Storm, Timothy Bradley, the full champion. Oh, they will? Yes, he is now the interim WBO 147-pound champion. And the reason why they were fighting for the interim belt was uh, uh, Bradley and Vargas was that Floyd, did, I don't know, wrote a letter to the WBO after the fight was he announced. Didn't, he didn't write no letter. He no, can't. he didn't write. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody, Al Heyman, wrote, yeah. wrote Floyd Mayweather a letter to the WBO. Um, you know, I, he should have just vacated. Like, But he's got a, he knew he wasn't going to keep the belt. Right. But he did it just so that fight wouldn't be for... The full WBO title, but but either way, we knew it. That's what Bradley versus Vargas was for, anyways. Right? It's oh, he's so friggin' annoying, man. Get the hell out of here, would you, please? <laughs> uh, Carl Froch versus Triple G versus Dan Rayfield. <laughs> what is in, in, a, in a ladder match? <laughs> what, I mean, what's going on with this? Uh, I don't know. Rayfield, I guess, founded. Uh, he needed to call Carl Froch out. Yeah, that's funny. He has no problem calling Carl Froch out, but uh, whew, man, God forbid we call out Al Heyman. Might not get that bonus check at the end right. of the year. What a clown, man! Yeah, I, look, we went. We talked about it before. That this guy, I, for whatever reason, he decides to call out a a well respected, established fighter. Whether you think he's dodging Triple G or not, we've said it a hundred times on the show. Whether Froch fights again or who he fights again. It doesn't. It does not friggin' matter. This dude has cemented himself as a guy that backed down from nobody for years and fought the toughest schedule in boxing for a six, seven year stretch. Dan Rayfield, shut the hell up. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm with you when you're right. Um, and uh, I don't know. This is how you use your position. Mm -hmm. This is how you use your platform in this method in this way. Trolling an English fighter that you know that you can do whatever you want to him because you don't really have to. He, he's he's not based in America. You don't have to. There's no. You're not going to his fights. You don't get access to him. So you can say whatever you want to him. Man, I saw some really questionable questionable boxing fans out there um, making comments, and I found myself like coming to the defense of Carl Froch, which I shouldn't have involved myself in it whatsoever. Right, but. I just couldn't help myself when I when 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 I hear people making comments that are just so completely out in left field, the accusations that uh, uh, that Frotch dodged DeGale um, and that he's dodging Triple G now. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, can we just replay this for one second? I couldn't do it in 144 characters. Right. But this is how it went. It went just like this. DeGale was an aging prospect. Mm -hmm. Okay, he was an aging prospect. Yep. James DeGale, okay, Carl Froch just came off of flatlining George Groves, knocking him the fuck out, mm -hmm. right? In the 2014 knockout of the year, flatlining him in front of 80,000. George Groves beat James DeGale. Yeah. So Carl Froch is thinking to himself, why would I want to fight a guy that lost to the guy that I just knocked out? It makes no sense. For a guy that has ran the gauntlet of the 168-pound division, win, lose, or draw. That is what his career has been. So at that time, James DeGale was nothing to him. He wanted a big-money fight. 
So he was going to fight Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in Las Vegas. Frotch got hurt. Chavez took the Fonfara fight, and then Chavez's lazy ass lost to Fonfara. So there goes that that fight just flying right out the window. Yep. Now, in the meantime, DeGale beats Darrell and becomes a champion. Now, all of a sudden, DeGale is relevant. Mm -hmm. This is what happened. Nothing else. That's what happened. Yep. Now what's going on is a war of words. Frotch doesn't know if he wants to retire or not. He's trolling. He's doing what he wants to do. He's having fun. And Triple G's looking for an opponent. Here's what I think. There's been no rumors as to who Triple G's going to be fighting next. But Tom Loeffler has been stating over and over and over again that they are in negotiations for their next fight. Mm -hmm. Which leads me to believe that it might be a big fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If there's no rumors, there's no, there's no nothing. Yeah, he would normally come out. I mean, you hear Triple G's next opponent two days after his fight. They're already, they've got it signed or they're signing it soon. Exactly. So, I don't know, man. What say you, Vin? I, I, I don't know where to go with the situation except for, I, I, if you're somebody out there that's questioning Carl Frotch, I, 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 cannot, I cannot back you, man. No, I mean, you might think he's... Uh, um, an arrogant prick you might think you know, I, I think he's an arrogant prick and i don't particularly like carl frotch as a person when he talks i think he's a dickhead <laughs> but i'm not gonna for a second question this guy as a fighter not even close man the dude is is and has been the definition of what every fighter should be they have literally been like i don't know man frotch has there's been so many people that have been so used to the way boxing has been going, fighters dodging each other and the catch weights, mm -hmm. that they just assume that they read like one blurb from a tweet once a month about the sport of boxing. That's their boxing intake of news right. coming from some dipshit troll with 40 followers on Twitter, right? right? And then they just make these, just these, these flagrant statements and indictment on a career that is so far different than any boxer fighting today. Yeah. They're very few. Uh, yeah, there's, there's almost none <laughs> that I can think of off the top of my head, except for who did we talk about weeks ago who, who, who fought Frotch and, and uh, what was his goddamn name? He fought uh, Abraham. Not Abraham, no. It was the obscure guy that you saw us fight on uh, Comcast Sportsnet. Oh, Darnell Boone? Yeah, Darnell Boone's the only guy who's, who's got a better <laughs> resume than Frotch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's Darnell Boone's like 21 and 20 on his career. Right. Frotch only has two losses, yeah. um, both to future Hall of Famers. Oh, man. All right, well, we could beat that dead horse over and over and over again. Do your research. Do your homework. Listen yeah. to a couple episodes of the tail of the tape before you go out there swinging uh, accusations like that because that just makes you sound like a moron. It does, man. Um, all right, so let's move to the next bit of news. Kathy Duva has said that it is more than likely in 2016 that the Crusher will be squaring off against Andre Ward. That is awesome. I, I, I mean, that is right now, that's to me, those are that's the best fight you could make as far as two quality top of their game opponents facing off with each other. Uh, there's not a matchup I can think of that provides a more like, don't ask me to pick this fight because I'm not picking it. I don't know. No, no. I mean, it's two top 10 pound for pound guys. Yeah. One has devastating power and one has some of the best boxing skills of the last decade. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting fight. And that is a fight that we need. That, yeah. That's a fight that boxing needs. Yep. Um, another fight that boxing needs and looks like will be delivered upon. 
is Canelo Alvarez versus Miguel Cotto is being now they've narrowed it down to what seems like the front runners are the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas on November 21st or November 7th at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. So no East Coast for that bad boy, huh? Doesn't look like it unless just out of the blue MSG drops a huge site fee on on the right on the table. Um, I don't care where it goes or where where they fight. Just let's... I wish it was November seventh on the East Coast. That's my birthday weekend. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It'd be two two years back to back good fights on your birthday. Man. I know, man. That that's the one thing about being born in the first week of November is that you're pretty much guaranteed a mega fight. Yeah, right. Always all the mm-hmm. way all the way back to the to the fight poster hanging on the wall here at the Boxing Ranch Studios. From 1991, Holyfield versus Tyson. Yeah, it's it's been a, a weekend of big fights for as long as I can remember, really. Yeah, and uh, man, I don't know. I may do it. That may be the fight. Yeah? That may be the fight. That may be the one. Um, I sure as hell am not driving, though. No. Might, uh, uh, just might have to do it. Um, you, you saw, it uh, looks like uh, the Walters-Lomachenko fight's not going to come through now. Uh, I don't blame Lomachenko. No. I, I, no. When it comes to honoring weight classes and wanting to clear out divisions, I'm a traditionalist, man. Yeah. I don't care if these other, you know, these other weight classes that came about, you know, 30 plus years ago now. I, I mean, I could care less. Those were basically created to help um, make the make the sport safer. They were boxing's attempt at adding catch weights and making them right. le- legitimate weight classes. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Look at Canelo Cotto, 155 pounds. I don't care. No, I don't care either. It's 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 within the middleweight parameters. At least they're both fighting at that weight. I, I you know I don't care. Yeah, I don't care what weight they put that at. It doesn't does not matter. No, no, it doesn't. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, you know, to me, it looks like this: Lomachenko wants belts. He wants to clear out the division. Mm-hmm. If Walters does not have a belt and he can he can barely make weight. Why does a guy like Lomachenko, who's going to come in fight night weighing 130, 132 pounds, want to step in the ring with a guy that offers nothing and that's going to be 150 pounds on fight night? Yeah, he's going to run into what he ran into with Salito, which is a guy that's just too damn big for him. Yeah, why would you want to take that fight? I mean, it's one thing to test yourself for another belt. Right. But when now Walters doesn't bring anything to the table. No, I don't don't question that decision one bit. Not at all. But Lomachenko did call out Lee Selby. He did. What do you think about that, if they're able to make that fight happen? I don't think Lee's ready for that one, man. I I really don't think. As slick as a boxer as as Lee Selby is, Lomachenko's a a whole different ballgame, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, Any other news? Any Any other notes? On your on your list there, Vin. I just thought we'd you know maybe have a little fun with the PBC at the end of the show here. I mean, how their their fighters all immediately tweeting out after the PBC basically response to the lawsuit. They all they all say, what do they say, Ken? Hashtag free boxing for all. I'm I'm so glad to be a part of the PBC and we're making strides and and the sport of boxing is better because of it. Uh, Hashtag free boxing for all. Oh, uh, yeah. Do, are, do you think every single one of those fighters did that? Like they got onto their own account and, and sent that tweet themselves? Because uh, I don't think, I mean, how what do you, did Al Heyman call them all right back to back to back? Hey, send it, send it, send it, send it. It had to be some crony in a room that controls these guys' Twitter accounts. Yeah. I don't, um, 
Mm, I don't know, man. I I don't even know what to make of this. I mean, do these all these guys? It's like you pay you pay somebody enough, and they'll and they'll 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 say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So, it's sick, man. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it, is. it really is unbelievable. If you don't see the illegal activity going on here, it's because you don't want to. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. Or uh, or you or you're paid, you know, or you are paid. Next week, we preview Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. <laughs> versus Marcos Reyes. Tell me something about Marcos Reyes, Vin. Um, <laughs> hold on. Give me a minute. <laughs> um, I tried to Google him up. Nothing came up. I'm getting like a Marcos Reyes uh, Latino singer. <laughs> Oh man, yeah this uh, this guy's in the ring, so Chavez can win. Yeah, um, and that is it. McJoe Arroyo squares off against Arthur Villanueva, a twelve rounder for the junior bantamweight IBF crown. This on Showtime. Um, I guess they can't put that shit show on free TV, huh? No, I'm surprised they're even putting his fights on. I mean, what what else has he got? You know, Chavez is obviously smart enough to just. Let all the skeletons out of the closet of the PBC. What's next? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Seriously, man. Okay, this is the another, just one of the amazing pieces of confusion that the PBC continues to pump down our throats. So in the same town, I'm assuming from the same arena, I haven't looked at BoxRec yet, um, Carl Frampton makes his U.S. debut against Alejandro Gonzalez for Frampton's IBF uh, junior featherweight crown. Super bantamweight, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Super, super duper um, <laughs> in a 12 rounder. So Frampton versus Gonzalez is on the PBC on CBS during the day. Yeah. And I don't know if it's true, if it's been confirmed, but if you buy a ticket to the Frampton fight, you also get one to the Chavez fight. Hey, a, a free day of boxing, man. <laughs> wow. Man. Uh, what, you can't be, I mean. Are there enough people in El Paso to go to two fights in the on the same why Day? aren't they on the same friggin' card? Why isn't Frampton the lead-in fight to Chavez Jr.? I have no... What is the fucking point of that? <laughs> it's free. <laughs> it doesn't need a point. It's free. Yeah, right. it doesn't need a point. It doesn't need an explanation. It doesn't even have to be legal. We're giving you boxing. Here, take it. Yes, it is a gift. <laughs> it is the gift that keeps on giving. Smelling. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes indeed. Indeed indeed. But also, across the pond from Manchester, England, Scott Quigg versus Kiko Martinez. That should be a cracker right there, yes, boy. Yes, indeed it should. Darles Perez squares off against Anthony Kralla for the WBA lightweight crown. Sam Eggington, Glenn Foot, Chris Jenkins against Tyrone Nurse. That is a name right there, buddy. <laughs> and Martin Murray joins the party. I guess um he signed a pretty nice deal with Matchroom, and they're just giving him patty cakes because he he was sat, uh you know he, he hasn't i don't think he's been signed to an english promoter for his entire career oh really yeah so he's just making all these uk fights getting paid hey good for him yeah absolutely um but this i think this is you know i think he fought on the on the, on the undercard of their last big one uh, for his Matchroom debut but he's listed at the bottom here and he's fighting against tba did he move up to light heavyweight uh no super middleweight super middleweight yeah, that's right he's yeah. going to super middleweight for this fight and then what could prove to be the best fight of the evening 
um, and it absolutely 100% should be, and I'm really looking forward to previewing this fight. Arthur Abraham versus Robert Stieglitz 4. You looking forward to that one, Ben? Man, all three before this one have been great fights. Uh, yeah, this is the one to end the, end the feud between them, and I would expect nothing less. This will be the fight of the weekend. Absolutely. No Nido Donaire on Unimas. Oh, really? Yep. The same night, it's a... Uh, Fighting a stiff? He, <laughs> Anthony Satol, you know him? No. Yeah. Anthony's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> we go way back. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's plenty, plenty to preview um, next week. And uh, yeah, we'll start pumping them out. We may start splitting the shows up. We hate to tease our fans like that. But you never know. I mean, the more content, the better here on mm-hmm. the tail of the tape. And there's so many fights to preview. Um, so, Vin, I guess that'll do it for episode 57 of the tail of the tape. It's a good one as always. Indeed. So we will be back next week to um, deliver you some post-fight analysis, reaction from the PBC on ESPN. Like we said, we will have plenty on how Teddy Atlas conforms to the new structure of (laughs) the wonderful world of Al. Um, It should be interesting, no doubt. No doubt about it. So we thank you for all of your participation on this week's episode, episode 57 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Be sure to drop by the website, theboxingrant.com, for all the archived episodes of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Be sure to call in next week as we're taking live callers. 240-436-2006. Join our team. Send a writing sample to podcast at theboxingrant.com. Join the Boxing Rant. Rant with us. Hashtag Boxing Banter. We'll be back next week with episode 58 of the Tale of the Tape. Plenty to preview. Big fights from around the globe. Be sure to follow my co-host Vince Cummings on Twitter at VinceCummings81. And you can follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. We'd like to thank all of our loyal listeners from around the globe. The United Kingdom, Sweden, Australia, Japan, and right here in the United States. Thanks for listening to episode 57. We'll be back next week. Tune in Sundays live at 3 p.m. on theboxingrant.com. You've been listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Muchas gracias, everybody.